0: and earth medicine check us out by visiting www.magicandmedicine.blogspot.com i'm your host dr candace nadine green hello everyone and welcome to another episode of it's all good magic mysticism and earth medicine so today we're going to be talking about going to be discussing who do candle magic so who do candle magic which is an african-american african-american conjure is also candle magic it is the youngest form of root work and it has developed and evolved only within the past century which is interesting because you think that it is, you know, really, really old. But it's really come to, it has developed and evolved. So, you know, it's become more popular in the past century. Now, some people think that it's negative or, in, or something like that. But it's not. When you say the word hoodoo or voodoo or voodoo, people automatically assume that, oh my goodness, Here's some negative stuff, but that's totally not true. Um, By the 20th century, paraffin paraffin candles um, that had a relatively high melting point compared to tallow candles and were much less expensive than beeswax candles were transported by rail nationwide. And with the invention of dyes, Aniline dyes—they were so—they were soon made available in many different colors, which is why you can get so many different colors these days of candles, and you know that's a good thing. So let's give you some history here. <clears throat> in nineteen, the 1924 song "Hoodoo Blues," written by New Orleans native Spencer Williams, who lived from eighteen eighty-nine to nineteen sixty-five and recorded by Bessie Brown, contains one of the earliest mentions of candle conjure. Shortly thereafter, the systematic use of candles in African-American folk magic was noticed by folklorists such as Noble Niles Puckett, Zora Neely, Zora Neely Hurston, and Harry Middleton Hyatt. Puckett, writing in 1926, stated with conviction that candle magic had originated in New Orleans, where Roman Catholic candle burning combined with African American folk magic to produce an emergent style of work. Zoran Hursting, Hurston in the 1930s described public candle rites. Such as pea vine drill, which took place in spiritualist churches in New Orleans. Hyatt interviewed practitioners all over the South from 1936 through 1940, a full 10 years after Puckett, and he noted that candle magic had by then spread north to Memphis. And that Southern Conjure doctors in Georgia were purchasing candle supplies from mail order houses in Memphis and Chicago. However, his documentary work remained unpublished until the 1970s. Meanwhile, in 1936, candle magic suddenly went national. It It was a fad how to conduct a candlelight service it's a it's a writing that features an introduction by reverend adele clemens who was the pastor of divine harmony spiritualist church which was probably located in harlem indeed the very existence of the spiritualist church movement And its interdenominational umbrella organizations, such as the Colored Spiritualist Association of Churches, or the CSAC, remains largely unknown outside of the African community and has not been celebrated by the wider religious world. This ignorance was self-imposed by European-American observers. The CSAC was formed in 1922 when, in line with the institutionalized racism of the era, the National Spiritualist Association of Churches, the NSAC, expelled all affiliate churches with Negro congregations. Later, when Harry Middleton Hyatt, a white Episcopalian, Minister interviewed 1,600 black root workers during the 1930s. He met several spiritualist mediums with candle ministries, including a pastor who described the quadrennial CSAC convocations. However, despite this evidence, Hyatt opined that spiritualist observances including public candle services, were being held in private churches. Tantalizing glimpses of Black spiritualism during the era of Sidney Steiner and Rev. Adele Clemens can be found in Gordon Park's 1942 photographs of St. Martin's Spiritualist Church in Washington, D.C., as well as in the 1937 March of Time feature, Harlem Black Magic. The latter is a racist and inaccurate news film, which nevertheless includes clear images of signage of a, for a number of spiritualist churches in Harlem. Now you can read more about the spiritual church movement in the following books. Mules and Men by Zora Nilly Hurston Hoodoo Conjure Witchcraft Root by Harry Middleton Hyatt The Spirit of Black Hawk by Jane, Jason Barry Spirit World by Michael Smith and The Spiritual Churches of New Orleans by Claude F. Jacobs and Andrew J. Caslow. Also Black Magic by Yvonne Chiroux. And online you can read more about the spiritual movement at readersandrootworkers.org forward slash wiki forward slash category working within the spiritualist tradition. And I'll put those in the the notes, the show notes. So just hang on tight and they'll be in there and you can browse them at your leisure. Now let's talk about actually burning the candles. <clears throat> so when we burn candles in, con- in the conjurer tradition, we often watch and wait for divinatory signs that tell us how the work is going to come out. That is, whether the spell will be a success or not. So we have pyromancy, which is also called uh, gazing or fire divination. It is foretelling the future in which the reader stares intently into burning flames or coals, because coals were used, in order to catch a glimpse of things to come. It is loosely related to candle reading and candle glass reading. It is Pyromancy is actually a form of scrying or visionary reading it can be also performed via campfire or watching the flames in your fireplace the candle flint you candle flame watching for signs is a form of pyromancy now there's also um ceromancy, which is signs observed in wax the wax that melts from the candles You're reading signs or making divinations from the melted wax. And there's two forms. Um, Dedication of a candle in a ritual manner or reading candles used in magical rite. We have capnomancy, which are signs observed in smoke. So you're making divinations from smoke. You have a live or active capnomancy is done by scrying into the smoke of a wood fire or incense and observe the moving messages. Static capnomancy is performed by burning something like matches, an oil lamp, wood, or incense and passing an article such as a white plate, or in in inverted drinking glass or cup through the smoke so that soot accumulates in or on the item. Now the smoke and soot marks left on the plate, cup or lamp, chimney or glass are then divined as images. Okay. Now, if you are a novice or a home practitioner don 't worry over much about candle divination until you have burned a lot of candles and gained perspective on the matter. you know practice 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 you got in order to in order to perfect your craft or get it as close to perfection as possible, you need to practice so don 't get all worried. When you haven't just when you haven't mastered it yet, just practice, have fun. You know, get some candles. Go to go to the Dollar Tree and get some of this stuff so you can not just spend all this money, especially during the coronavirus time. And practice, practice. It is important for you to experience firsthand the fact that some candles are poorly made and will burn badly, no matter what you do with them. Additionally, you will need to burn many candles in order to understand how the temperature in your rooms, the presence of wind, or a draft, and other external factors may play a part in how the candles burn, even seven-day candles, you want to practice. However, as a spiritual candle diviner, you can't just chalk up bad results to physics. The fact that a natural draft put your candle out, or the cat tipped it over, or it was badly made, does not obviate the fact that the candle going out was a bad sign. A sign is a message from spirit and or from the people for whom the candles were named, and the manner by which the sign was delivered is not as important as that message you saw and received by integrating both the physics of the candle burning and the spiritual reality of omens, omens, you should in time come to understand that the signs which appear during the burning of a candle do not reflect on your ability to do the work. That it's, it's if your candle burns badly or goes out, you didn't botch up the spell, but rather you received a negative sign. Self-taught pr- practitioners who burn their own candles at home may not be experienced enough to interpret candle divination signs, but although professional candle workers provide interpretations of the way that candle spell turned out, new practitioners rarely take the logical step of hiring root workers in order to learn how to interpret candles. You know they get confused and anxious when they fail to grasp the subject at once. I don't necessarily advocate you go hire a root worker, but I do advocate you using your own interpretive skills, regardless of what this, what I'm telling you in this from this book here, says. Um, what I just, what it, what it says. So I, 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 I think there's a lot of people out there who will gladly take your money to give you some highfalutin interpretation um, for you to learn from them. And then there's plenty of others who, you know, you can find things in books, find things on YouTube if you want uh, to, to help or to support your practice. You can, you can be self-taught because back in the day, the lot of, before internet, a lot of people learned either by knowing someone who did it or by, you know, trial and error and using their own interpretation uh, by tapping into spirit. I, anytime I do any type of divination, I tap into spirit and I get the message through them, whether it's a crystal ball, whether it's tarot cards, whether it's um, just giving spirit messages. I always, always. Um, you know tap into spirit i get my my ancestors and my head spirit my true answer, my true head spirit and i use i channel messages through them they make the contact with the other spirits and channel the messages through me and that's how i divine messages i i don't use i don't just it's just like you know some people just just like when someone has a tarot book that comes with their cards some people they think they have to memorize the entire book. Let me tell you, I've not memorized any of those books, and I have several tarot decks. I mean, I, I love tarot decks, and I keep collecting them, and I have several of them. But I don't. I, don't, I have not read any. I, I maybe if I've read some of the books, like the introduction where he gives the history and stuff. But I, I don't memorize it. I don't believe in memorize it. What I do is I intuit. I intuit, and I use I tap into spirit, and when I touch the cards. Because I only give, you know, I, I do the past, present, future, and then I do the one card, one message, one card reading, like a message reading, and I touch the cards, and, and spirit speaks, and that's how I give my messages. I don't memorize books because, to me, it, that's, not, that's not my gift, and this is how my gift works. So I think the same way on any, any form of divination, you should, be, you should be able to use spirit, to utilize spirit, to tap into spirit. As I set up, I pray and I call upon it, my ancestors and my Mammy Water Spirit because I'm a Mammy Water Initiate. I'm, in, I'm initiated to the Mammy water, water Spirit. And I call all of those, call everyone to be present. And I meditate before I begin. And then I begin. So that's how I do mine. But that's my suggestion. You don't have to take it from me. That's just what I. That's just what works for me. So, according to um, you know this hood, the Hoodle Magic Book here, how to ritually dispose? How do you get rid of candles after the spell? You know, after you do a spell. So once you have conducted a divination on your candle spell or wax remains recycled any glass and saved unused oils herbs powders or incense for future use it is time to dispose of the remnants of your right if you did a one-time spell you can dispose of unused supplies with the remnants now here's a list of uh, traditional disposals which are symbolically related to the intention of the work if the intention of the spell is good and it it involves matters around your own home. Wrap the materials in a cloth or paper packet and bury them in the yard. Never bury remains from negative spells in your own yard. I do that. I, I bury my I bury my spells when I make it, I bury my candles, excuse me, when I make an offering at my altar, especially when I do seven-day candle spells. I um I bury the candle. I, bury, I have a garden, a big garden, and I bury them in my garden. So one day if I die and sell the house or something, die and the house sells, someone's going to dig it up and find all these candles, but that's okay. <laughs> if the attention is not centered on matters close to home or if you do not have a suitable yard, wrap the materials in a cloth or paper packet and throw them in running water over the left shoulder and walk away. Now, that's polluting in a lot of places. So, Um, alternatively, take them to a crossroads, any place where two roads meet, and throw the packet into the center of the crossroads over the left shoulder and walk away. The crossroads can also be used for throwing out candle wax remains from a spell that does not personally involve you or if the spell is negative or influence removing. You know... I don't agree with polluting waters unless it's like I know for one of my, uh, sometimes I go to the water and I make my prayer to the mommy water spirits when I don't do it at home. And I'll leave an offering like breadcrumbs because why do I use breadcrumbs? Because I, you know, leave the breadcrumbs and walk away because the birds and the fish and whatever, they'll eat it. I'm not. Yeah, I only leave a little bit, and I, I make sure I use like a cheese grater and make sure they're really really tiny, so birds fish can eat them instead of um, throwing like bottles and things into the water. I mean that's to me that's not being gentle with the earth. And if you're doing using candles and they burn way way down, um, it's good to use candles that are made out of good material so that can be buried in the ground and that are not toxic so we still have to care for our earth all right if the intention of the spell is to get someone to leave town divide the materials into nine packets and add hot foot powder to each packet start a crossroads start at a crossroads near to where the person lives and throw out the first packet then travel in a direction away from the enemy's home towards where you want them to go and drop a packet at each crossroads you pass until all the packets are gone. If the country, this, in the country, this might carry you several miles in the city, it would only be, a, be nine blocks, so city folks only count intersections where a light with a light when you do this or count freeway interchanges or get some distance worked up between the packets if the intention of the spell is seriously harmful you can dispose of the material in a graveyard the wax and other remnants are placed in a miniature coffin buried and marked by a miniature headstone with the enemy's name on it When setting such a spell to rest, many workers also sprinkle a mixture of sulfur powder, gopher powder, and salt around the grave. I think that's goofer. Gopher dust. And salt around the grave. Then walk home and don't look back. I had a relative um, who was a a root worker. And there was a woman who uh, this has nothing to do with candle magic, by the way. Um, who asked a woman, who a woman came to him and asked him that there, there was someone, I guess there was some infidelity issue going on. And this woman was disrupted. This woman had someone who was interrupting her marriage, messing up her marriage. And my relative there, he carved a miniature coffin, gave it to her and told her to bury it. And because he was he, he could carve, he was great with carving, and he carved a little tiny, baby little tiny tiny coffin told her to bury it. And unfortunately, the woman the the woman who was you know messing up her marriage died suddenly. I mean that's horrible, but I'm just telling you, um, it just reminded me of that when he when it said uh, miniature coffins. So I guess if you want to do this, you should go get go to like go to a, one of these you know, gift, gift shops or Dollar Tree stores around Halloween or order them on Amazon and get those tiny little coffins that they have. You can put candy in and use that. That's crazy, but you can use it. Lastly, in my opinion on all of this information that I've given you, some from the book and some from my notes, it is your magic. Remember, it's always your magic and you must divine in accordance with your own path. Your own path, your own technique, and your own interpretation. Yes, it's always great to seek examples from others, like by via books, videos, podcasts, etc. But since the energy comes from you, it's comes from it's it's channeled through you and it comes out of you, you are the creator of your own magic. So my advice is don't get hooked on someone else's method. Don't you Don't seek answers. A lot of us, you know, when we're new or when we're trying to learn something, we seek answers outside of ourselves. And you're you're not giving yourself enough credit. The magic is in you. All the answers are in you. Dig down deep. Call upon your ancestors to help you realize that magic that's within you. And with that, I'll end the show. And I'll have all that information for you in the show notes. So take care magical people, keep up your magic, keep practicing, and stay well. Listening to it's all good magic, mysticism, and earth medicine. Visit us anytime at www.magicandmedicine.blogspot.com.